Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Pain Eater, written by Nerd Virilis. Dr. Sinison departed the transport to Terran Madrines in tow. There were formality, Citizen knew, having encountered the Akerg during the 14th Tau City B campaign. Each warrior was the size of a horse, covered when bullet-stopping exoskeleton plates and capable of slicing through the human mech like butter. If this was a trap, the three humans wouldn't stand a chance. They had nearly reached the rock wall on the sandy crater when a shriek emerged from one of the tunnel mouths and, moments later, a dozen Ekerg warriors blurlowed. The marines knelt, aiming their weapons as the Ekerg came to stop in a semicircle. Senison instructed the marines to stand down, and they did so reluctantly. Then, a smaller warrior stepped forward. The lower half of the exoskeletal face split to reveal a whirlpool of serrated teeth, layers of independently sighting and crunching, jaws upon jaws upon jaws. These combined to give a screeching, keening language that had been described by the Linguatex as a unique challenge. You are the pain eater. Of course, even the best translator is limited to shared concepts. You come, they stay. One marine seemed ready to argue, but Sinison nodded. You heard the, uh, man. Look after the transport. I'll be out when, uh, just look after the transport. Sinison tried to memorize the route that they had moved deeper into the tunnels, but each intersection seemed identical and he was soon lost. He couldn't taste the air through his rebreather, but it felt damp on his skin, giving himself up into their care. Sinison allowed his mind to wander. The whole situation was grounded in confusion. The Akag had never reached out to humanity before, and no other species had reported anything but the briefest diplomatic contact in the time before or after their bursts of panic-consuming aggression. Humanity had arguably the more success than most in slowing their spread, but they had inflicted heavy losses. Why would they reach out now? Their message had certainly seemed like a request for a xenobiologist, so Dr. Sinison was a natural fit. He developed the paralytic used by human battlefield medics before they treated a CAG wounded, for the warriors would violently reject all attempts at first aid. It seemed unlikely that they had changed their perspective on mercy. But what was Sinison to do? He couldn't deny a call for help. There were no exclusions for the century-old foe species on the Oath of Healing. During his musings, the texture of the tunnel had changed. The dirt and the stone was now threaded with tendrils that were, unmistakably, biological. The vaguely luminous strands acclimated along their winding route, fine threads merging, dreams joining the flow of the strengthening river, and the river flowed out into a... 
a lofty chamber, walls pulsing with tendrils that flowed from a dozen tunnels. The Akag did not share one mind, for they were capable of autonomous thinking, yet there had been speculation of a nexus, a place where some specialized individuals would strategize for the hive. The overlord dies, the warrior spoke. You pain eater. The warrior backed into the tunnel, leaving Sinison to approach the figure alone. It dwarfed every Akag that he'd seen before, though physiology was similar enough. The abdomen appeared to be a meeting point with these luminescent threads, anchoring the overlord and connecting it to the hive. The patient was bulbous, inflamed. A recent change of the exoskeleton plates dangling from the raw tissue were any indication. The pain response was unmistakable, slowly flexing the limbs, a locked exterior jaw, and the low whine. Glancing towards the entry tunnel, Citizen reached out, gently pressing the swollen body. A louder whine, but no response from the warriors. He would be allowed to work. He rolled out his bag of instruments, assembled the Akag physiology in his mind, burst a dose of paralytic to prevent any unexpected limb twitches that might cut the encounter short. Then doses of analgesic and anesthetic delivered to the gentle words of comfort, he had no idea how these would translate. The overlord slumped as the pain response vanished and the luminescence of the threads increased. Attempts to deal with anything beyond the symptoms would probably do more harm than good, but Citizen couldn't be sure if the warrior would understand these explanations, so he made himself appear busy with minimally invasive scans. There was more to his patient than a typical warrior. The interior structures were more complex. Many organs were duplicated, perhaps simple redundancies or perhaps a necessity to support these external threads. Sinison wondered if his data would be used to develop some new and terrible weapon. He wondered whether he would be allowed to leave the chamber at all. Perhaps he would be granted some goodwill for his service if his patient survived. Then came the squelch. Citizen jumped back as the abdomen of the overlord ruptured, spinning luminous fluid across the chamber floor. He heard his heart throbbing as the tunnels echoed with shrieks. He threw his instruments to the ground, making a futile attempt to shovel organs back inside the expired body. A voice came from his rebreather, warned of hyperventilation as he dragged up clumps of goo with both hands. Any moments now, the warriors would send him to join his patient in death. Any nuanced medical consideration was gone as he dragged a cluster of organs from the floor, eyes wide and panting. He cradled it, feeling a soft exoskeleton, following the luminous threads that extended from the abdomen, admiring the gently swaying limbs of the newborn overlord. Compound eyes adjusting to the blindly luminosity of the world, fixing on the pattern of the face above. Neurons fired rapidly, associating the pattern with trust, with mother. Signals from the hive flowed in, cementing the idea of danger past. Citizen couldn't say how long he knelt there, or what he thought for most of that time. He cooed and whispered, and the little Ikag overlord hummed in response. He knew he must be the first human to hear such a noise, and he made a mental note to change that translation to Queen. End of story. Story number two. 
All Roads Lead to Seoul, written by Hale Mad Science. Zervash Nakata stood in the command deck of his flagship, practically swelling with pride. As Teitoku of the Centorial People's Fleet had served a mortal proconsul for nearly 300 years, dealing devastating blow after crippling injury to his enemies. But even now, he could feel that it was would be with his crowning achievement. His grand fleet filled the void amongst the planets of the inconsequential system, along with the debris of what had been the pathetic and paltry defenders' vessels. The local race was not even worthy of his contempt, but they had allowed the humans access to their star system in order to build one of their stellar highway rings. With that ring had come human ships. No human ships remained now. They, twenty of the ships, had fought valiantly. Servash would grant them that, but they had been outnumbered nearly fifty to one. They had been crushed. Servash Nakata stared at the display screen on its bridge, which showed the massive ring floating in the training stable orbital spot of one of the outer gas giant planets. The humans had built these rings across vast stretches of the galaxy, reducing the time it was needed to transit the distances between solar systems significantly for all who accessed them. In their arrogance, they had boasted that all their roads were turned to their home system's soul. It had been this last that gained the attention of the immortal Bro Council and the Servesh Nakata. The humans bragging had not been an exaggeration. Their entire system of stellar highways spread outward from Sol's system. Whomever controlled Sol controlled the highways. Servashnakata had been granted the greatest fleet ever assembled in order to seize Sol and its highways. Once the Centorial People's Republic controlled the ring system, they could lay claim to nearly a tenth of the entire galaxy. Servash felt the spines along his back stiffen and raise at the thought of a glory and honor that he would receive for his conquest. The gate hovering before his fleet was the key to his victory. The humans had fleets of their own, but they could not be everywhere at once. The Servash had quickly realized the key to success would be a swift and decisive victory. Overwhelming, the limited defenders of the small system had brought the gate into his hands. Now he would send his fleets through it and straight to the heart of Sol system, without the humans even knowing they were under attack. All roads lead to Sol, indeed. Ataku Nakato orders all ships to proceed into the Stellar Highway Ring in accordance with Operation Solar Flare procedures. The flagship will enter first, ten minutes after the mark following this message. Praise the immortal Bro Council, and may we all know eternal glory from our conquest. Tatoku out. Servash looked about the bridge at his hand-picked officer corps. In less than one day, we shall be the undisputed rulers of the galaxy, he cried. His officers shouted along with him. Servash knew that he would be remembered for eternity after this. Approaching Sol System, Teitoku expected to exit the final ring inside Sol System in just under five minutes. Servash nodded. Prepare the ship for battle. I want to open a fire on any vessel that isn't in the fleet as soon as we return to relativistic speeds. 
All the ship's hulls began to vibrate as the turrets and launchers of the ship were freed from their lockdown positions. Soon, the humans would know the might of the Centaurial People's Fleet and be forced to bow to the feet of Servash Carter. Servash braced himself against his rating as the flagship passed through the last ring and began to abruptly slow from the impossible speeds of the stellar highway. Begin fire, he started to say before he was suddenly interrupted by a blare of alarms. Sir, we're under heavy fire. Our entire ship is being bombarded with high levels of EM radiation. Our shields are collapsing under the strain, one of the officers shouted. Who's firing at us? Return fire with all weapons, Servesh demanded loudly, confused as to how the humans had all known he was coming. We can't, sir, another officer yelled. The incoming fire is blotting out our senses. We can't see who's where. The fleet, Servesh cried, panic beginning to grip his mind. Surely we're taking so much damage because we were first shipped to exit. The rest of the fleet will deal with this petulant upstart humans. Multiple hull breaches, imminent, internal seals won't contain the danger. Unable to prevent damages, Teitoku, we'll lose the entire ship. Seconds before Servash Nakata and his hand-picked crew on the bridge officers were incinerated along with the rest of his flagship, he realized that he and his entire fleet had flown straight into a human trap. Servash did not know how the humans had known he was coming or how they had managed to design a trap so easily to overwhelm him. But he did know that the thousands of sailors who had followed him here would die pointlessly. Servash knew sorrow and humiliation, then, before he knew nothing at all. No knowledge of who they were, station manager asked. No, sir, we've no contact with their gate of departure, nor did they send a message beacon ahead of the ships. The space traffic controller responded. The manager of the Mercury Traffic Orbital Control Station looked out of the window behind him at the soft tons of mercury below. Then he turned back to stare at the Sol System entry waypoint ring in the trading Langarian point of the first planet. If the ring pointed in system then, he ordered it in the second. Soon enough, the station manager and traffic controller sat watching as hundreds of unknown ships appeared out the ring, barreling down the gravity well of Sol at exponential speeds, with no distance to break. Those ships never stood a chance of avoiding plunging deep into the star's corona and incinerating. Wonder who they were, the station manager mused for a second, before shrugging and returning his focus to his paperwork. Outside the station, almost unnoticed, the sun seemed to sparkle as hundreds of ships vaporized in quick succession. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with, but the easiest way would be to share this video, and if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.